Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshark. Hi, welcome to another episode of Homeschool Your Way. We're your host, Chips and Salsa, a.k.a. (laughs) Jimena. And Dee Dee. Today we're going to be talking about how analyzing poetry can be done in your homeschool. But before we do that... We always like to talk about our self-care tips because self-care is so important. Jimena, how have you been self-caring your way through the week? Well, you know, it's been really hot. And I don't know for our listeners that are listening from other states, Southern California, you know, we don't really get a fall until probably mid-December. So our, our... AKA fall, you know, starting September, October is really just a really hot, dry summer. And it's been really hot and dry lately. And so I've had to really be even more intentional about hydrating. And I think I've done a good job. I have a really big, huge Yeti, which both you and my husband hate, but it fits so much ice and water in there. And I go through a lot of those a day. So I love my Yeti, keeps my water cold, and then I stay hydrated. Well, that is really important. I'm always surprised that fall has hit other states. It must be amazing. (laughs) I know. And then you start seeing all the memes about, oh, sweater weather. I can't wait till it's sweater weather. And it's like, well, it's not sweater weather here for a couple more months. What I can't understand is why the stores never adjust. No. I don't want to buy a sweater. But you know what's great? is that then you can go into the clearance rack and buy some great summery pair of pants for $7 like I did the other day. Ooh, I probably should do that. There you go. So we that we get the, the summer clothes on discount because it's fall everywhere else. Okay, what's your self-care tip? Well, it's always hard to get in a date night. And the last couple of weeks, my husband has just made it known that he really wants to have a date. And I think the tip is, I got excited about it. Instead of sometimes I get a little bit like, uh, okay, well, it's kind of interrupting my day or I already made plans. Um, So my self-care tip is get excited to spend time with your husband. That's really nice. I think I need to incorporate that tip in myself. I think because we have such a like routine about our date nights that it's lost some of that excitement. But I think I need to bring it back and realize how privileged I am to have those Fridays. Yes. Well, we love hearing from our listeners as well. If you have a self-care tip you'd like to share, visit us at bookshark.com slash podcast and we'll feature your self-care tip on an episode. All right, well, let's get down to our topic of today's episode, which is incorporating tea and poetry in your homeschool. So poetry analysis is the process of investigating a poem's form, content, structure, and history in an informed way, with the aim of heightening one's own and others' understanding and appreciation of the work. 
analyzing poetry was something I really wanted to incorporate in my homeschool, but it seemed like I never found the time. When the kids were smaller, we did a grammar curriculum that had, you know, little poems in there for them to memorize, and it was easy. But as they got older, I wasn't sure how to incorporate poetry. Yeah, and you know, here's where again my high school experience really inspired me to, you know, bring it to my children. And I remember really enjoying analyzing poetry in high school. And it was not anything that was ever taught to me in elementary school or even junior high. And so it was something um, novel, but it was also like, oh, wow, I'm actually good at this and I like it. And it was, you know, it's very subjective. And so, um, I figured, hey, let's start bringing that to our homeschool, even though our kids are really small. And that's what we did. And actually, analyzing poetry has so many benefits. It not only improves your verbal skills, but also memory. And we've had the kids memorize a ton of poems. Yeah, and it also helps teach reading, writing, and comprehension because then you're teaching them how to extract information from any text, no matter what kind of text it is. And through our curriculum, um, ex and especially the curriculum we use with Bookshark, we're exposing the kids to so many cultures, and you really learn culture through poetry as well. Oh yeah, we have loved learning poetry from different poets all over the world. And, you know, a lot of them are translated, but still, it's really beautiful to see um, even ancient poets, you know, right from like ancient China. It's been great. And imagination. Poetry really sparks your imagination in the way that a poem is able to paint a picture in your mind. Yes. It really is beautiful, the use of imagery and just different things. I've learned so much. And I think you can take that creativity and in, in imagery into your other writing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the beauty about language arts, right, is that once you discover a passion about one thing, it is naturally going to translate into all the other areas of your life. I think so many times we are so focused on the structure of writing an essay and the structure of writing you know, this type of narrative and informative and all this stuff that we for, we really suck the joy out of all of it. And maybe this is a topic for another podcast, you know, on teaching language arts, but really um, it's it should be organic. And I think that's one of the things that poetry does is it brings writing to life in a very organic way. Which is why poetry is very therapeutic to both the writer and the reader. A poem is able to become a outlet for your emotions and for the energy that's inside of you. Yeah. Didn't you tell me that one of your kids wrote a poem the other day just trying to express his alone time? And He did. And it was a beautiful poem. And it really did touch my heart that he did that totally on his own. I love that. Yeah. And, and this is not anything that we could have really taught in, in a lesson. It's the fruit of just many years of enjoying poetry. Yep. Well, another uh, benefit of analyzing poetry is that it improves critical thinking and creative problem solvers. So, you know, we're sitting here discussing how to, you know, pick this poem apart, and it really forces one to think critically and think, you know, what what is, how can we solve this 
you know, some poems are easier to analyze than others. But we've we've read some that are pretty inquisitive, you know, like the red wheelbarrow. It's like four lines. It's like, what is this about, you know? And so it takes critical thinking. Yeah, that's always fun when it seems so simple. And yet there's these layers of meaning behind a poem. I find that to be exciting. And I see the joy that it brings to the children. Oh, yeah. Another thing that analyzing poetry does is really bring empathy. Uh, so many poets express their concern for the world, their comp- their passions for the world in their poems. Oh, yeah. Social issues or um, even their own suffering, right? We've done some Langston Hughes, Dream Deferred, you know, it, all that stuff really opens our eyes to uh, the life of of just people in general in this world, you know, who have been oppressed or who um, just have, you know, endured suffering. It really helps understand people and understand yourself when you're seeing something from another viewpoint or someone else's eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Another benefit is that it encourages engagement with other art forms. Because once you open this world of poetry to your kids, you know, and you're like, Look at look at this. Look what we can appreciate in writing. It's going to immediately make them more open and more interested in finding the joy in art, a piece of art. Because now they're they have that critical thinker, you know, mentality where they're like, "Oh, I wonder what this artist meant by this painting." Or I wonder what this composer was trying to convey or, you know, evoke through these sounds. So it really does go all across the board. We were looking at a painting the other day in our homeschool, and we were talking about the different, uh, like you're saying, the symbols and the symbolism behind the subject in the painting had one glove on and one glove off and the hand gesture that he was making. And as we were analyzing it, the kids were realizing it's so much like analyzing a poem, looking at a painting. And it really is. And also, speaking of art forms, poems, lyrics of songs, music, it all flows together. Oh, yeah. It's all connected. And I love that your kids found that connection. That's amazing. That's a fruit of our labor right there. Well, now that you know why poetry is so important, we want to talk about some practical ways to incorporate it into your homeschool. All of this after the break. Bookshark Homeschool Curriculum is literature-based, four-day, and faith-neutral. See it at bookshark.com. Wendy, a homeschool mom to three boys, says, I wanted to nurture my son's love for reading, so we decided to give Bookshark a try. Let me tell you, it did not disappoint. It is a literature-based curriculum, so with that comes a lot of reading. A lot. At first, I was a little apprehensive about it, I feared my kiddos would be turned off by the amount of reading, but to my surprise, they have really enjoyed it. I could not have picked out better books for them to read even if I tried. Hearing my kids say, hold on mom, I just want to finish the chapter, has made me a happy mama. Wendy's story is echoed by thousands of Bookshark parents. Kids just love the books. Even kids who say they don't like to read will beg for just one more chapter. Parents love the books too. In fact, most parents who hated history from their own school days are now reformed history lovers. 
all thanks to the Bookshark way of using real books to teach. The detailed instructor's guides lay everything out so clearly that you are prepared to teach in mere minutes each day. Open your guide, gather your resources, which are all included in your package, and go! Curriculum for ages 4 to 16 is available in all subject packages or by individual academic areas. Reading with history, language arts, science, and math. With Bookshark's literature-rich programs, your children will read or have read to them 35 to 50 engaging books each year. Visit Bookshark.com to browse curriculum, download samples, or request a catalog. And now, here's the rest of the show. Welcome back. This episode is all about how to incorporate tea and poetry in your homeschool, or maybe even just poetry. So we're going to get into some practical tips about how you can do that. But first, we're going to talk about what we're reading. Well, this time we wanted to talk about uh, the poetry book that we are using for our co-op this year. And it's actually part of Bookshark Level H. It's called Classic Poetry, an Illustrated Collection. Uh, the poems are selected by Michael Rosin, and the pictures are by Paul Howard. And there's actually a really cool quote um, from Paul Howard, the illustrator. And he says, speaking about doing the art for this book. The book taught me that poetry is about life and that life is, in itself, poetry. Oh, I love that. Yay! So he became a poet by drawing pictures for a poetry book. How cool is that? (laughs) That's really awesome and inspiring. Well, you know, I think I resonate with The fact that I didn't really appreciate poetry as much, even after all those high school poems I needed to analyze, until we started incorporating it in our homeschool. Agreed, Jimena. It has been so enriching. And I always say one of my favorite things about homeschooling is learning alongside my kids. So I am wiser and richer for homeschooling. Yeah, and these poems in this book are some of the ones that we've already memorized. And so I love that my kids can flip through it and be like, oh my gosh, I memorized this when I was in fourth grade. Oh, look, there's O Captain, My Captain, or Ozymandias, you know, and all these poems that are now familiar to them, which were not familiar to me when I was a kid. Same. Well, we'd love to hear any great book ideas that you have or that you've read. Visit us at bookshark.com slash podcast. Yeah, let us know what you're reading and we might feature it here on the show. Well, let's get into our practical tips about how to incorporate tea and poetry into your homeschool. Well, I would say tip number one is to just start. If this is something that's important to you, and it might not be, you know, we're, we're not here trying to say, hey, this is, you know, absolutely necessary. It is part of language arts and you could easily incorporate it. But This podcast is all about homeschooling your way. So if this is something that's been a desire of yours, kind of like Didi was sharing at the beginning, then just start. Maybe you feel a little intimidated to teach your kids poetry. Maybe you're not confident in your own skills. But even if you just start reading some poetry and uh, teaching your kids how to recite it or even memorize it, that's a great start. There's so many YouTube videos and websites that help you analyze poems too. So you're really not 
out there on your own. Yeah, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. And once you practice and, you know, with your kids as, you know, because the whole thing is you learn as you go, right? You don't have to know everything while you're teaching it. So you learn as you go. The more you practice, the more you'll see that the fruit, even in yourself, you're like, oh, I kind of understand what the poet means now because we saw this three poems ago, you know. There you go. And then once you get started, make it a regular thing. And that doesn't mean every day. (laughs) Yeah, no. Think of a realistic schedule that you'll be able to stick to on a consistent basis. We meet twice a month with our co-op. We analyze a poem at our first co-op, and then they recite the poem from memory at the second co-op. Yeah, so you want to incorporate it into your routine something that you already do. So let's say that you um, gather around in the mornings to huddle or to read. Maybe you sneak in a poem once a month. You know, if you want to make some tea with it, then do that. But if that's not really giving you life, then don't do that. But the key is consistency here because the more that you do it, and like I said, even if it's one poem a month that you're just kind of really getting into, you're going to see the fruits of that later on. So would you agree that really when the kids are smaller, and I'm talking under third grade, that just reading poems and memorizing poems is enough? Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember when we started, our kids were what, in third grade? or Yeah. And we just started reading, and you and I were really doing most of the talking. And they were just really kind of listening. And sometimes I was like, are they even listening? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think during those times, we got more out of it than the kids did. (laughs) But see, that's where you see that it wasn't in vain because they might not have been able to analyze a poem like after that year that we did it. But now we can't get them to be quiet. (laughs) I think thinking of it as an investment and that it is going to take time is going to help us not burn out when you don't think they're paying attention or it seems like it's taking longer than it should. Yeah. And I think it's important that, you know, you enjoy it and just have fun, be loose with it. You know, I remember back then too, our kids were just so annoying with like their table manners. (laughs) I remember I was like, oh my goodness, that is so gross. Like they would like, drink tea with a straw and dip their bacon in the tea. You remember that? Yes. Well, I remember that we did a mad tea party because we were reading Alice in Wonderland. And some of our non-mad tea parties were more mad yes. than that one was. Uh, I, know. I blame it on the sugar. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but we stuck to it and now... You know, I we really enjoy our teas. Some of our listeners might be saying, well, why, why tea and poetry? I mean, I don't think there is a, a real reason. It's just for us, well, for me personally, I'll just speak for myself. I love the tea culture. I love tea. And I remember always fantasizing about having daily tea, you know, just like the Brits do and be like, oh, I want, it's time for tea, children, you know, but that did not, that's not realistic. So I just figured, hey, we're going to get together early on co-op days. The kids are going to be hungry. 
you know, and it's going to be hard to really get them to get motivated, you know, to start talking about a book or get them to do some assignments. So why not start with something fun and inviting and honestly, gathering around a table is such a great way to start any kind of discussions and to really teach our children to have that those conversations. It's a really great way to open up. And so that's what tea does. It relaxes everybody. It gets everybody in that um, learning mode and it just makes everybody interested. I think it has backfired a little bit because then my kids started wanting tea every morning and now they want coffee and now they want to have my coffee all the time <laughs> and you know just drink water but no i've done it i've created tea and coffee connoisseurs no my goodness i know well that, that you know there are there are consequences to that <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about how to go about analyzing a poem, just kind of the basics of that. So I think just to start with simple literary terms to help guide you. So, you know, the simple things like metaphors, similes, personification, alliteration, imagery, just the very basics. I mean, if you want to get more advanced, leave that for the higher level years. But right now, that's really all they need to recognize because that's what you can recognize even in books and novels. So that's going to help them all around. And like I said, you know, do yourself a favor and look up a little about the poem before you get to the kids. They're going to think you're so smart. (laughs) Another thing you could do is learn a little bit about the poet. Yes. So learning about their background and their biography, where they're from, their beliefs, all that stuff plays a lot into how they're writing and what they're writing about. And that has opened up a big uh, just door of understanding for us. When we studied Edgar Allan Poe, remember how his life really came out in his poems and the kids picked up on that. And then when we did our big DC trip, which you probably have heard us talk about before, um, we visited Edgar Allan Poe's grave. And the kids, he impacts every reader. So the kids were really impacted by his life and in analyzing the poems, seeing his life come through there. Absolutely. And how enriching is that? Because that, that just changes your perspective completely uh, on how you view books and poems and, and all of a sudden you're you have empathy and you're understanding where the author is coming from mm-hmm. you know we actually put together a, a poetry analysis guide that we use for our own kids that is available as a free download if you go to our website check it out the link will be in the show notes and what has been so fun is making the teas thematic. So like I already mentioned, the mad tea party with Alice in Wonderland. And we've studied so many great cultures and teas from around the world and the way that they do tea. And of course, we tried to teach our children about the etiquette of a proper English tea party. Yes, when we read Mary Poppins. To uh, our chagrin, <laughs> they did not... Take on all of the proper manners. <laughs> well, they still remember six and 12, six and 12. You remember that? Yes. They remember that. Well, but then they're like, you know, drinking it from a straw as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it's history and it's culture. 
and it makes it fun. But, you know, back to what you were saying about making the teas thematic, I think the key here is to make them fun and enjoyable. You don't have to go all out and, you know, set the table. Just make it enjoyable for you guys. It could just be as simple as like, hey, we love this cookie, we love this tea. Or, you know, we like scrambled eggs in the morning. Maybe instead of eating your breakfast that day, you know, you say, hey, you know, once a month or twice a month, we're going to, breakfast is going to turn into tea breakfast, you know, and then you're not really spending any extra time, but you're just incorporating into something that you're already doing. But we need to tell our listeners a little bit about our teas though. We, I mean, we already mentioned the Mad Tea Party, the Mary Poppins, we've done Anne of Green Gables, but what about all the cultural teas? Well, let me first say that incorporating uh, poetry has really been a reality since starting the co-op. Right. And so community, our co-op has been so vital to our homeschool and to the growth of my kids in this area and myself. Um, But yes, our cultural thematic teas were so incredible. And I love partnering with Jimena because she's so good at researching and we were cooking recipes from India and we were making Japanese teas yes. and Mongolian tea, remember? Mongolian with the millet. tea with millet on the bottom of it. And butter. And delicious. In addition to the, the different teas, different cookies or pastries from around the world. One year that we did Bookshark Level F We studied a different culture in each of our co-ops, and that was amazing. Yeah, and we researched poems from different cultures, and so we would learn about the poet and also the poem from, let's say, China, ancient China or India, and we learned so much. It really does broaden your worldview. Well, and it was interesting how every country that we studied had a way of drinking their tea. Another great thing to consider is that it's a really easy, well, I don't know if it's easy because if you have toddlers, drinking tea is never easy, but it is a great way to incorporate your whole family in this learning. So if you have kids from all different grade levels, this is still something you can do together. And if you have a toddler, you put them in the high chair and give them you know, a little biscuit or something. What we have done is also allow the kids to have a little cheat sheet with some drawings or something. And that's really great for the younger kids if they're trying to memorize a poem or give them just a piece of the poem if there's a big age gap. Yeah, and they've become so creative on how to help themselves. I mean, they've written their clues on popsicle sticks. They've drawn, you know, different things. So Hand I love motions. it. <laughs> right, yeah. But I just love the effort that we see. And then finally, I would say keep going, keep trying because your kids are going to grow naturally. Yeah. And you will see the fruit of it. Like you might think that it's not doing anything and it's a waste of time. And you know what? I might've thought that at some point too. Like I might've thought, is this just really for me? You know, cause I want to have tea. No, honestly, now I see my 15 year old and mind you, it did take years. I'm talking six, seven years, but my 15 year old decided to write a poem as one of her history assignments, which I never would have thought she wanted to do. 
And now I'm seeing her come alive even during our, our poetry analysis and she wants to express her opinion and she wants to dig deeper into it. And these aren't traits that I saw in her before. And I think the fact that we kept going has given her the confidence to venture into that. And she's realizing, hey, I actually have something to say and something to contribute. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate seeing the kids blossom at their own pace. And some of our kids are much more outgoing and vocal. And others, it's been more of a journey. Absolutely. But the key is to just keep going and let them flourish as you go. We hope that this episode was encouraging to you in your homeschool so that you can homeschool your way and thrive with your children. Yes, give it a try. And if it works and you love it, write to us. We want to hear all about it. Go to bookshark.com slash podcast to leave your comments or questions, and we might feature it here on one of our episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.